The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Have you ever stopped to think that the best and worst place to live is in your mind? Think about it. We can create our own destiny or our own downfall. It all has to do with the way that we choose to think and see things. Welcome to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with your host, Dr. Paula Joyce. Dr. Paula is here with her guest experts to show you just how to change that negative way of thinking and see your world in a positive light. Now, here is Dr. Paula. Welcome to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and I'm grateful you're joining me today. I want to begin by reminding you that you are all part of a global community with fellow listeners in literally every corner of the world. That's because you're spreading the word. Thank you for listening and for continuing to tell your friends, relatives, and colleagues. And a special note of gratitude goes this week to our listeners around the world in Canada, Australia, and the Philippines, and in the states of California, Texas, and New Jersey. Welcome and thank you for your continuing support because you keep tuning in and listening. Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit is ranked as a top show and I'm a top radio show host on Voice America World Talk Radio, the oldest and most widely listened to talk radio network. Thank you for listening and making this show success possible. As I promised at the beginning of every show, at least through September, I'm going to lead you through three exercises that we can all do to help stop or lessen the severity and frequency of the natural disasters that have been plaguing the earth. I'm doing them at the beginning of each show so you can find them easily and do them with me every day or at the very least every week. The wonderful thing about it is that as you help Mother Earth to clear the negative energy, you will also be clearing yourself of fears and other negative energies that are harmful to you. So please spread the word for yourself, your families, your local communities, our global community, and the Earth itself. For more information on this topic, listen to our May 28th on-demand show with Dwan Washington by going to my website, paulajoyce.com. I know that you're responding to this information because that show continues to be in the top three most listened to shows. Thank you for listening and continuing to tell other people. Here are the three techniques to help clear yourself and the earth of fear. Please do them with me. The first one is an affirmation. I am love. 
as I am loved. You are love as you are loved. All is love as all is loved. The second one is a visualization. If you have trouble visualizing, then just listen to the words. Close your eyes and see a beautiful pink heart full of love shining pink light down on you. See and feel the pink light going through your body, down to your feet and into the ground where the pink light is filling and healing all of the fault lines in the earth, the oceans, the floodplains, the volcanoes, the winds, and the atmosphere. The last technique is a chant. First, I'm going to say it, and then you can chant it with me. Om, ah, ha, ah, om, am, am. Om, ah, ha, ah, om, am, am. Know that as you do these three techniques, you are helping to fill yourself and the earth with pink healing energy which is balancing all the energies and helping to create calm and peace within yourself and the earth. These techniques are particularly helpful for anyone who has been abused or is self-abusing because they experience more fear than most people. Please share these techniques widely. I feel so strongly about the importance of helping to clear ourselves in the earth of fear that I created another workshop, Walk the Labyrinth, a sacred experience to help you continue this process. The Labyrinth is a walking meditation, a path of prayer, and an archetypal blueprint where psyche meets spirit. It dates back to Crete where it was found drawn on cave walls. There was even one on the floor of King Solomon's temple. Unlike a maze where you choose your way, the labyrinth is a spiritual tool that helps you find your way. The sacred geometry built into the labyrinth does the work for you. It allows you to release what no longer serves you well, connect with the divine, and change with more ease. Through this experience, you will learn about the labyrinth, walk it, and integrate what you gained. Release fear, stress, and worry. Quiet your busy mind. Hear the divine and your limitless creative higher self. Find your own answers. Open your heart to receiving. Improve your health and well-being. Create more peace, joy, and happiness. And become more of who you truly are. We will walk the labyrinth Friday, August 7th, from 7.30 to 9 p.m. at the Episcopal Church of the Transfiguration in Dallas, Texas, which happens to be the first labyrinth built in the United States and one that I walked every week for many years. You can learn more about the labyrinth by listening to our second on-demand show with the Reverend Dr. Lauren Artris, who brought the labyrinth into worldwide use. 
I participated in two labyrinth retreats with her, including one in France at Char Cathedral. And I am excited to share this beautiful spiritual tool with you. I was grateful to have her on our show last year on March 27th. Go to my website, paulajoyce.com, to listen to that show. Then read my blog about my labyrinth experience in France and register for the workshop. You'll be grateful you did. Choosing to be positive, choosing to think, see, feel, and act in new and healthier ways is the heart of Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. We all have choices, but we can't make the best choices for ourselves if we don't know what the options are. This show provides you with new information on health and healing, with an emphasis on spirituality and the connection between our thoughts, emotions, and physical and mental health. We can all choose happiness, gratitude, and positivity as we allow ourselves to know the truth of our own experiences and feel the pain of our past or present life and let it go. We open ourselves up to the joy of being fully alive in every moment. We change the energy in our body and literally become younger and healthier, feel lighter and have more energy. We truly know and feel the joy, beauty, and love in our lives. My show helps you do that by providing you with new information, perspectives, and techniques, inspirational stories, and guests who are thought leaders in their field, like our guest today, David Bookbinder, who will talk with us about his near-death experience, the difficulties and joys of it, and his transformation from victim to wholeness as he responded to medical malpractice and theft by his lawyers. Last week, we had a wonderful conversation with Sandra Ingerman, who was on for the third time as our guest. She shared her deep understanding of how we are affected by the moon and other aspects of nature. She also gave us some great techniques for speaking with nature and led us through a beautiful process that helped us all release unresolved grief by using the healing power of nature. If you miss that show or any of our other ones, please visit my website, paulajoyce.com and click on radio show at the top of the navigation. One of the wonderful bonuses of having the show on demand is that you can replay it often to use the process Sandra so graciously led us through. My silver lining story today is from a client. She asked me to read this to you. Dear Dr. P, healing from abuse has been the hardest yet most rewarding road I've ever traveled. It was a mere two and a half years ago that I showed up on your doorstep, beaten, broken, and barely alive. And just a few weeks ago at work, my supervisors described me as a strong, powerful, creative, and intelligent woman. My life has yet to be perfect, nor do I think it ever will be, but following the healing path has made me the best person that I can be. It has also made me grateful to be me. I've learned how hard it is to leave the ones 
who you think love you when the reality is that they are really just hurting you. I've learned how hard it is at times to look in the mirror and face your own demons, the dark parts of yourself that are truly part of this human experience. But I've also learned how rewarding the sweet taste of a joyful life is when you finally get to taste it. Today, the life that I'm living, though still tough, feels like heaven on earth after enduring 25 years of a fearfully abundant, chaotic hell. Today, when I look in the mirror, I see proof that the weak can become strong and the once powerless can become empowered. Today, I know that I have yet to grow into the full woman that I know I will become. But thanks to the work we do together, she's more present with every breath and step that I take. I truly believe that God has a wonderful plan for all of us who've been abused or hurt. If we only have the courage to step into the light, thank you for leading us there, Dr. P. You truly are my chosen mother and head of a very special healing family. Sincerely, a healing heart. I'm very grateful for this um, letter. And much like our guest today, this client has been abused by the people who she sent to, who she went to for help. In her case, it was alternative healers. Abusers exist in all professions and all walks of life. Being betrayed is never easy, but it is especially difficult when you are already in a weakened state, emotionally, mentally, and or physically. To be abused when you are at your most vulnerable makes it all the more difficult to come back to yourself. Yet it is possible, as this client and our guest, David Bookbinder, both know. I was on social media recently and read a comment by someone who said that, quote, life doesn't get easier or more forgiving. We get stronger and more resilient, unquote. I emphatically disagree. My life does get easier and more fun as I get stronger, set better boundaries, release old painful emotions and negative thoughts, learn to trust myself and continue to see the silver linings in all of it. Then I attract more joy and happiness and love. Life really does get better. New opportunities emerge and new healthy relationships develop. For instance, this radio show would not have come to me a few years ago because I wasn't ready for it. The fulfillment that this show brings me is possible because of the healing journey that I have chosen. I had to choose to leave abusive relationships in every area of my life and to feel the deep pain, fear, anger, chaos, and sadness so that I could let it go. That has made room for wonderful surprises and adventures. I've discovered abilities that I didn't know I had. We need to believe that good things are possible for each and every one of us. That belief sustained me through years of misery until I finally found my way. Like a dog with a bone, I never gave up. 
We are only a victim if we choose to see ourselves that way. When we take back our power, everything changes. The journey to finding our true self can be arduous, and there is nothing more rewarding, as I, my clients, and our guests today can affirm. I'm grateful to have David Bookbinder with us. He is a psychotherapist, writer, photographer, and teacher near Boston. As a therapist, he works primarily with artists, children, couples, and people with addictive behaviors. He came to psychotherapy after a transformative near-death experience that shifted him toward his present work as artist and healer. He sees this as a calling and is a regular presenter at the Creativity and Madness Conference in Santa Fe. David also blogs for the spirituality portal, Belief net.com where he promotes the use of art as a means for healing and personal transformation he currently enjoys transforming photographs of flowers into mandala like images which won an artist fellowship grant and have been exhibited at galleries and museums he can be reached at davidbookbinder.com You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor. While listening to the commercials, go to paulajoyce.com. First, click on Register Now to read about and register for my workshop, Walk the Labyrinth, a Sacred Experience. Then click on Calendar of Events to see your question for today. Before the second break and at the end of the show, I'll give you something else to do with your question. When you email me, you will have an opportunity for me to read your email on the show. So right now, go to paulajoyce.com, go to my calendar of events page, answer the question of the day, and register for my workshop. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with David Bookbinder to talk about his near-death experience and his transformation from malpractice victim to wholeness. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Time for a fresh perspective. From leadership development to team building and re-imaging your mission, Dr. Paula has game-changing speeches and presentations crafted just for you. She has helped leading experts solve their key challenges and can help you too while reducing stress and increasing your profitability. With Dr. Paula, you will find common ground in innovative solutions. Start now with a free consultation. Call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, today at 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com. Be the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a -a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session. 
Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals, solve your most challenging problems, and unleash your inner power. Visit PaulaJoyce.com or call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, at 214-208-3533 to find out more and to schedule your free consultation. Whether it's individual or group, business or personal, attain success with ease. Mention that you heard this on Uplift Your Life and receive 10% off your first service. Call 214-208-3533 or visit PaulaJoyce.com today. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with Dr. Paula Joyce. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. That's drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I always appreciate hearing from you, my listeners, and as a top-rated show, when you choose to advertise with me, you reach a lot of people. If this interests you or if you want to become part of the conversation today, please call 1-866-472-5795 or email Dr. Paula Joyce, that's drpaulajoyce at gmail.com, now or between shows. I hope you made a list of your major life challenges. And now we're here with David Bookbinder to talk about his near-death experience and his transformation from malpractice victim to wholeness. David, welcome. I've already gotten some responses from people saying how excited they are to um, hear you and your story. So welcome. Thank you for being with us. Well, thank you for having me. It's, It's a pleasure. Great. I thought it might be um, interesting for people to hear what your near-death experience was, how it happened, and and what it felt like. And um, yeah, let's start there. Okay. Um, This happened in 1993. I was in graduate school for a PhD in English. Uh, I had injured my shoulder. I went to the school doctor who put me on what turned out to be a very large dose of Motrin for about a month. And at the end of the month, I had some gastrointestinal bleeding. Uh, I was losing about a pint of blood a day. So I went to a local hospital. Um, They told me they wouldn't really be able to do anything until after the weekend. I thought, well, why don't I just go home and come back then? And they said, well, we're expecting a big storm, so you better stay here. Uh, it's important to note that I didn't have a good feeling about the hospital or the ER doctor, but they kind of urged me to stay, so I stayed. After about a day and a half, I stopped bleeding. Uh, the gastroenterologist wanted to do a colonoscopy. She was convinced I had large surface ulcers in the colon. Um, I thought it was a bad idea. Again, my sort of intuition kicked in, but I ignored it. Um, she thought, I thought it was a bad idea to stir up something that had been bleeding for three days, but she said, well, we'll have to do exploratory 
otherwise, and so I, I yielded to that. Um, they gave me a prep about an hour and a half later. Uh, I was on the floor um, bleeding out uh, unconscious. Um, I had made several sort of protests along the way. I had a nurse come in. I had a doctor come in. I was concerned that something was going wrong, but they just thought I was anxious. My uh, 83-year-old Greek stroke victim roommate heard me fall, uh, apparently went out into the hall, um, tried to uh, let them know that there was a problem with me, but they couldn't understand what he was saying. I guess he was, I was later told, trying to say David's on the floor. Um, so I guess they tried comforting him and eventually urged him back into the room. And fortunately, to get him back to his bed, they had to pass by me on the floor. So the next thing I remember was um, being awakened, feeling really cold, um, and a couple of nurses were standing over me. One of them was reading up my blood pressure. It was like something like 70 over 30, and then gradually rose. They put me in a bed. Um, they started transfusing me with uh, IV fluids, and that apparently caused the bleeding to restart. So my blood pressure started dropping, dropping very quickly. Um, they added a line uh, for, uh, I think it was packed red cells, and that seemed to work for a little while, but then the gastroenterologist had showed up. Um, and then every time they increased my blood pressure by adding fluid, it caused the clotting to stop clotting, and I would start to bleed more profusely. Eventually, they had uh, three units of blood going into me. They were improvising blood pressure cuffs with, um, I mean, they were using blood pressure cuffs rather to improvise blood pumps. Um, they were not reassuring me that I wasn't going to die. They were sweating and panicky, and I started to feel increasingly cold. I could feel like the warmth of my own blood all around me. Um, and at some point, the room started to fade out, and I realized I might not survive this. And I became fairly calm. Uh, I was quite anxious until I blacked out, but... Uh, the first time, but after I woke and when they were transfusing me and all that, I felt almost serene. Uh, and I remember thinking, um, if there's a God, and well, let me back up a second. I remember first seeing a kind of vision. I had worked in computers for quite a while, and the last project I had done was a book about Lotus One Two Three, which is, a, among other things, a charting application. And I saw a sequence of charts, each of which represented how closely I had adhered to my path. And uh, previous to going back to graduate school, I was a technical writer for 10 years. And on almost every level, career, creativity, family, love relationships, everything had kind of gone down. Um, and then the chart, the timeline of the chart representing when I came back to graduate school, things started to move up, but in a kind of shaky sort of way. Among other things, they were grooming me to be like the online learning person in, in an English department, which was still pretty close to the technology that I really wasn't that comfortable with and wasn't why I came back to graduate school. I came back to write a novel and to teach. Um, and then there was a break in the chart, and at this point I was almost unconscious. I wasn't really seeing anything around me except this sort of vision. Uh, and then after the break, everything sort of went up on the chart, and I didn't know really where it was going, but it it prompted me to think, if there's a God and you're listening, I think I know what to do with my life now and I'd like a chance to complete it. Then I had a, the room sort of blacked out around me at that point, and I had a vision of 
kind of like the scales of justice. Um, and the impression I had was that all lives kind of weighed out equally, no matter how long they were or no matter what they contained. And, and again, I had this sort of peaceful feeling. And then I left that space entirely and went into what, for me, I've read since, I didn't know what a near-death experience was at the time, but I've read a lot of accounts of near-death experiences. I've also met many people who've had near-death experiences. And mine was, um, it had all the typical elements, but it had them in a different form, like the life review is usually what people feel when they enter the near-death experience. In my case, it was these kind of charts before the formal near-death experience. But anyway, I found myself um, just a presence. I was unaware of ever having been a human being, of who I was, of anybody I ever knew. I was just an awareness in this kind of cave, which had um, glinting black walls. And in the far distance was a fuzzy, greenish-yellow light. Um, and I just stayed in that space for what seemed like an indefinite, maybe infinite, period of time. And then at some point, my consciousness moved closer to that light, and I could see that it was a table and a, with a chair and a figure seated in the chair. The table was sort of maybe card table size, like a little square table. It was made out of uh, fuzzy tubes of light, sort of the fuzziness of a pipe cleaner, but the, the light of maybe a neon tube. And the chair was also made of the same substance, and so was the little guy seated, seated in the chair. He was like a like a kid's drawing of an adult with like a, a circle for a head and a circle for a body and sticks for uh, stick-like arms and legs. And he was holding his chin in one hand, and the other hand was on the table, possibly writing, possibly just resting there, and I was seeing him from behind. And I stayed in that place, identifying with that little guy. Uh, later, I felt, as I, when I woke from the near-death experience, I felt like he was like myself with a capital S, uh, the part of me that was here before my consciousness and my body was here, and the part of me that, although I didn't know I believed in any kind of existence after death, that I apparently believed would continue. Um, so I stayed in that state of identification for quite a while. It was probably the most peaceful and profound period I've ever had both before or since, although I've had meditations that approached that since then. Uh, and then he turned towards me, and I could see him more in profile, and the fuzzy lines that had been making him up became sharper and greener, more like neon tubes, and his features became more clear. He had sort of a, a beaked nose and an ironic hat smile, like a Mona Lisa smile, and, and I remember feeling it was a little chilling. And the, the peaceful sense was sort of disrupted. And uh, sometime after that, I woke up, and they had the three units of blood going into me, and they were, my blood pressure reading count was going up instead of down. I guess it had gone to 50 over zero, which apparently is, um, as the intern told me, that's the blood pressure of a corpse. I mean, the 50 part not, but the zero part. Um, so I'd lost most of the blood in my system, but I hadn't died and I guess I'd lost so much blood and my pressure had gotten so low that the bleeding stopped and the clotting held. Uh, and then, I don't know, that was the near-death experience itself. Um, that was sort of part one of a three-part story. The next part was what happened in the hospital afterwards and uh, with the doctors and suing the doctors eventually, and then after that, uh, winning a lawsuit and then having the attorneys that won the lawsuit for me uh, steal the award. 
Yes, but before we get to um, part two and three, I'd, I'd like to stay with this experience for a minute and sure. and, and how, um, you know, there were two thoughts that came to mind. One is something that um, a rabbi friend said to me once, that sometimes God stops your life in order to walk into it. Uh-huh. and. You know, that's the feeling that I continually get when I read your story, when we talked, and, and again, just now. And, and, and the other thing that I was when you talked about your intuition that you didn't like the hospital, you didn't like the ER doctor, and yet there's a threatening storm, there's authorities telling you that, you know, you have to stay, we know what the right thing is. And it's very hard to trust ourselves, that quiet part of us that, um, you know, that's whispering in our ear when everyone else is saying, you know, no, this is what you have to do. Yeah, I agree. That's one of the biggest lessons from this experience for me was learning that I have good intuition. I just haven't been listening to it much of my life, and I've made a lot of effort to turn that around. Um, so, and in so terms of what you said about God stepping into your life, um, a few years after this whole thing happened, I knew, had a friend who did astrological readings, and she also needed some help with her computer, and I was good with computers. So we did a trade where I'd help her set up her computer for her business, and she did a reading for me, and she did a, a birth chart and then a progression. And the the, char- the birth chart showed that I would transform from being a sort of emotionally closed, left-brain person, which is really who I was growing up, to somebody who did a kind of a 180, that I was much more intuitively oriented and emotionally open and connected. And at right around the age that this happened, which was 41, um, that's when the near-death experience occurred. So it was as if a pivotal thing had to happen in order for me to complete myself. Wow. And, and to help you shift and become... Uh, who you truly are, as you say, the self with a big S. And so that was one of the real pluses that came out of this. But there were also some horrible things, some very challenging things that um, that were also transformative, but also very difficult. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um the, the first part of the, what was transformative in a difficult way, sort of transformation through suffering, I guess, um, was the events that occurred in the hospital after the near-death experience. Um, by that point, they were in a panic, and they brought in a surgeon. I had a minor bleeding incident in the middle of the night, um, and they decided to do what I thought was going to be an exploratory laparoscopy so that I'd wake up with a couple small incisions and they were just going to look around. But apparently what I gave permission for, though I didn't know the term, was an exploratory laparotomy. So I woke up from surgery in more pain than I knew you could feel and still be conscious with a 14-inch scar. And they had removed um, what turned out to be the bleeding site, which was a little pouch on my small intestine that had been left over from birth. of my small intestine, the connection between the large and small intestines, and about a third of my large intestine, 
largely because the radiologist on the case had made an error. He wasn't a very, as, as I was later told by somebody else in that department, he wasn't a bright bulb in that department. He'd had to go to Guatemala for medical school. Um, and he had misjudged an angiogram that they had done in the middle of the night. And the surgeon, although he could see where the bleeding was from once he had me open, um, as he later told my brother, um, who asked him, well, if you could see the bleeding was in this little pouch, why did you remove so much other healthy tissue? And he said, well, the radiologist said the, the bleeder was in the cecum, and I would have looked like a damn fool if I missed a bleeder and had to go in the next day. Uh, so that felt, I mean, I've never been raped, but it felt like a kind of rape and uh, a huge betrayal. And the removal of those tissues, I mean, those were things my body needed, so I've had many health problems since then for the last 22 years, and it may have shortened my life, and I'm aware of that. Um, but out of that particular suffering, eventually, I, I became a deeper person. I think the near-death experience opened me up and almost restarted me, like started me from zero again, but with a different balance between of intellect and intuition and emotion and, and thought. And the suffering has helped me understand suffering in other people. I think that, more than anything else, probably led me towards becoming a therapist, that I had suffered enough so I didn't think that people coming into the room would blow me away with their suffering. I could relate to it. I could help them. Um, it led me to acceptance, patience, perseverance. There were a lot of things I got out of that. that the near-death experience was like a gift. It was like a jewel. Um, but the difficulties afterwards, although I would rather they hadn't happened, um, I've learned a great deal from them also. Most importantly, like you mentioned, I think in your introduction or, or the part of the show before we started talking, I, st I really embraced the idea of looking at almost anything that comes my way as an opportunity for growth, and I've transferred that to friends and family members and to clients, and uh, I don't know if I would have gotten that lesson if I hadn't had the difficulties that I had at that time. Uh, and that's something that I often say is that which parts of my ex life experience could I remove and still guarantee that I'd be me? And, you know, it's not possible because every experience helps to create who we are. And if we like who we are, then we also, therefore, embrace everything that's happened. Mm -hmm. So, to that point, yeah. Yes, and it is a journey to that point for sure. Um, and it, it's time for our break now, and I think this is a, a perfect time to do that, and then to come back and talk a, a little bit more about how you became self-empowered and allowed yourself to really vacate the role of victim and to choose to become whole. Um, I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. While you're listening to the commercials, go to my website, paulajoyce.com, and sign up for my newsletter. You'll receive the free chapter on my ultimate creative problem-solving process, which helps people to remove the blockages from hearing their intuition, connecting with their true self, and becoming who they truly are. 
You will also get advance notice about every show episode and the on-demand shows sent directly to you. Now on your paper, write down the ways in which your life challenges have actually enriched your life. Find the silver lining. Stay tuned. We'll we'll be right back with David Bookbinder to talk about his near-death experience and his transformation from malpractice victim to wholeness. Be the change. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Be the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a -a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals, solve your most challenging problems, and unleash your inner power. Visit PaulaJoyce.com or call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, at 214-208-3533 to find out more and to schedule your free consultation. Whether it's individual or group, business or personal, attain success with ease. Mention that you heard this on Uplift Your Life and receive 10% off your first service. Call 214-208-3533 or visit PaulaJoyce.com today. Time for a fresh perspective. From leadership development to team building and re-imaging your mission, Dr. Paula has game-changing speeches and presentations crafted just for you. She has helped leading experts solve their key challenges and can help you too while reducing stress and increasing your profitability. With Dr. Paula, you will find common ground in innovative solutions. Start now with a free consultation. Call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, today at 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with Dr. Paula Joyce. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. That's drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor. Welcome back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I hope that you wrote down the ways in which your life challenges have actually enriched your life. And I'm pleased that David Bookbinder is back with us to talk about how his life challenges have enriched his life and how he took what some people could have made um, into blame and regret and anger for the rest of their lives and chose to let that go to take control of his life and become self-empowered and move into the beautiful self that he was always meant to be. David, thank you so much for sharing with us your story and for lending inspiration to so many of us. 
Um, David can be reached at davidbookbinder.com. Please talk with us about this um, third piece of your experience with your lawyers. Sure. Uh, For the first couple of years after the near-death experience and hospitalization, I was really trying to get back to the life I had been in, so I did most of the coursework for my uh, dissertation I had changed, so I changed the orientation uh, of my program. Uh, instead of working with technology, I was going to work with death and narrative literature as, as the topic of my dissertation. I had started to write a novel based on coming back from the near-death experience. I was still in the same relationship and was trying to get that to work, but I felt like a different person. I felt sort of like Rumpelstiltskin in a way, although the world hadn't changed. I knew that it was I who had changed. So my my old life wasn't really a clear fit. At the same time, people were telling me that these doctors made a lot of mistakes and I should do something about that. And at some point I recontacted a person who had been my mentor at Boston University when I was in the creative writing program there. And his wife was a high-level nurse who uh, identified a lot of the medical errors and said, you know, you should sue these people. Uh, They committed uh, malpractice. And... I went on a quest for attorneys and eventually couldn't find anyone in Albany because uh, St. Peter's Hospital was one of the only two hospitals there and their standard of care wasn't very high. But by the local standard of care, what happened to me happened quite a lot. They'd actually been sued something like 300 times in the previous 10 years. Uh, So I, I looked further to Manhattan. I wrote to every medical malpractice attorney in the Manhattan Yellow Pages which was about 25, and two of them responded, one of them just for more information, and the other one said, why don't I come up to Albany and meet with you? And he was an older man. He was probably 74 at the time. He looked about 64. But um, And he had been a doctor before he became an attorney, and he'd been with patients like me, and he knew what should have happened compared to what did happen, and he felt like there was a case. So I started working with him, and over the next several years, he gathered information about me, about what had happened, about the attorneys, uh, found expert witnesses. At some point in that process, however, his own mentation started failing, and I could tell that he was he was losing it from time to time. I think he was probably having tiny little strokes because he had a major one later. Um, so I went looking for other attorneys because I didn't think he'd be able to handle the trial. He had he'd made a mess of the depositions which had gone on for eight hours because he hadn't sort of shielded me from certain kinds of questions. It didn't really do me any harm, but it it should have been an hour, not eight hours. Um, And I couldn't find anybody in Albany who would take the case because they felt like it was too loose. He'd already, even somebody who had previously sued my surgeon, uh, said, this is N1, this is too loose. I I don't think I can build a case based on what's been done so far. Uh, So he referred me, it turned out, to the other people who'd been interested in the case with whom he had shared offices. Um, what he didn't tell me and what I didn't know, therefore, until after everything fell apart, um, he continued to advise on the case, but they actually did the trial work. It was a two-week trial. It was very dramatic. They were sort of like my allies and my knights in shining armor, it seemed to me. They, we were like David and the other the big corporate attorneys were Goliath. Um, they were very friendly to me, particularly the trial attorney, um, you know, wanting to like have me come down to New York and go to the movies with them, things like that. Um, but what I didn't know is that the original attorney and they had been working together on many cases, and they often didn't pay the original attorney, the referring attorney. 
urged me very quickly to settle, even though I'd gotten a significant jury award, they urged me to settle with the insurance company within a few days rather than, they told me, risk an appeal which could take years. Uh, that was a lie. Um, there was no attempt to appeal on their part. Um, they did that, it turned out, because they had been stealing from clients for about 10 years uh, in a kind of Ponzi scheme, uh, starting with uh, illegal investments, uh, fake, how uh, I put this, investments in, in an illegal oil and gas exploration firm where all these shadow companies were referring to each other and there really was no exploration going on at a time when the United States was subsidizing that sort of thing. So they got enormous tax breaks. Eventually the IRS caught up with them and they owed them, you know, I don't know half a million dollars, something like that, more money than they had anyway. So they kept winning cases, stalling off or paying off the feds and other people, and then having to stall off the people whose money they had stolen in hopes of winning another case, and what my attorney originally eventually told me was hoping for the brain-damaged baby case where they'd make $5 million and pay everybody off. Because after they did their first theft, they knew they'd go to jail. Um, so they stalled me for about three months. Eventually I had a conversation with the referring attorney who also hadn't been paid, and he revealed this whole history with them. And together we began to realize maybe they don't want to be attorneys anymore, maybe they're going to skip because they hadn't updated their law books, they hadn't paid a lot of vendors, there were a lot of indications that they were going to leave the country with who knows how much money. I started looking into it, I, through a, kind of a fluke, encountered another victim of um, their theft uh, and realized for sure that the stories they'd been telling me about how I was the only one and it was a temporary thing were not true because they were telling a different set of stories to these people. And then I, and then later they, and then something like 52 other people that had realized they'd been uh, robbed by them, there are probably many more that don't even know they've been robbed, um, turned them in. Uh, they continued to practice for about a year before they were finally um, disbarred, and eventually uh, they went to prison. During that period, once I realized that this, this sort of promised land that it had of, of this award, which would allow me to kind of get back on the horse and ride it to the finish line, as I had originally planned, um, that was not going to happen. Uh, the money was there, but it was only there in, for me for about a week before they had stolen it. Um, I was filled with the kind of rage that I'd never felt before, and it was all-consuming. Um, and in a way, that rage was also a growth opportunity. Uh, at some point, I recognized that that people like that who seem to be criminals who are going to get away with something and who are injuring people and getting away with that were in some strange way deserving of compassion because they were less than whole human beings and they would always be that way. Um, I had a, a pretty good therapist at that time who said, you know, they may get away with this. I hope they don't. Um, you may not get your money back. I hope you do. But whatever happens, you have the opportunity to grow beyond vengeance to, to justice and, and to grow beyond a feeling of victimhood to becoming a victor and, uh, and beyond being betrayed to triumphing, and that you'll take with you for the rest of your life. And that really got to me and, and became a turning point emotionally for me as I continued to look for evidence to support the cases against these attorneys. I helped out the DA, I helped out some of the other victims. I started to write a book about it, which I'm hoping to complete at some point now. I've re revisited that book. Um, and by the end of that, when they went to prison, um, I realized I didn't want to be an English teacher anymore. And, and 
that I'd been through so many different things. I considered being an attorney, but I'd met a lot of attorneys by then and realized, no, that's not the crowd I want to be with. And in some strange way, the the double betrayal of the doctors and the attorneys, and in some way triumphing over both of them, um, opened me up and 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 readied me to start something new, which I've been doing ever since for about 12 years, 13 years now, uh, which is to be a therapist. And I, I appear to be uh, gifted at it. I, I think you said in the introduction to me that I, I felt, feel like it's a calling. I think it is. I think it was calling to me even when I was 20 years old and volunteering at a mental hospital. But I was afraid to do it. I didn't think I could handle the emotions of 30 people a week, 20 people a week, and the difficulties that they would bring to me. But I seem to be different from a lot of the therapists a lot of my clients have seen before. They, they tell me that I do different things and things start to change. And that's been right from the beginning. Uh, when I was working originally with uh, heroin addicts on methadone that had been like on the clinic for 10 years and essentially just vegetating. I mean, their lives were kind of empty. They'd get inspired. Some of them would, would get off methadone. Uh, and it, that's continued to happen. So I look back on this last period of my life as, in a way, the most valuable period of my life because I've helped hundreds of people. And it feels really good to know that I could do that. And as an English teacher, that would have been fine, you know, helping people with creative writing. I like that, too. But it's a, it's a glancing sort of help, and this is, this is very direct. And um, I know that different things have happened to people because they crossed my path. And I'm not trying to blow my own horn about it. I just, it just feels valuable and, well, and rewarding. I, absolutely. And it's acknowledging who you are and the gifts that you have that are unique that emerged as a result of this very traumatic experience. But that's the gold, part of the gold that you got out of it was discovering you and discovering yourself with a capital S as you talk about. So I would like to thank you so much for everything that you've brought to us and for the courage to change and grow. And I'd also like to invite you to come back, please, to talk about your flower mandalas and art as transformative and healing. I'd love to do that. Wonderful. Have a beautiful day. And thank you again, David. Okay. Thanks very much, Paul. It's been a great pleasure. My pleasure also. Thank you. And thank my. I'd like to also thank my audience for joining us for Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you enjoyed today's show, please like us on Facebook by going to my website, paulajoyce.com. While you're there, browse my resources page and my services, including coaching, speaking, energy healing, past life regressions, or to sponsor one of my experiential workshops, such as overcoming abuse through self-empowerment, or 21 Steps for Healing the Body, the Om Awakening. And if you mention this show, you get a 10% new client discount on my coaching, which I do in person over Skype or on the phone. When you work with me, you get support guidance and healing from the spiritual realm. While you're on my website, go to register now and register for my workshop walking the labyrinth then go to the calendar of events press click here to send me an email with your commitment to yourself 
those of you who live in Dallas and want to experience my ultimate creative problem solving at the low price of $20, join at my meetup group by clicking on the icon on my website homepage. We meet 1130 to 1 the first Wednesday of the month, which is next Wednesday, August 5th. And next Thursday, please join us when Colleen Morrow will talk with us about how we can all access the wisdom of our soul. This is Dr. Paula, your CM or chosen mom as designated by Bernie Siegel. Remember, you are loved. Just let that feeling wash over you and through you. Have a blessed week. Thank you for tuning in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Please join Dr. Paula Joyce and her guest experts next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Until then, have a positive week.